0: Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages. Alrighty. I'm excited. Today's good. I told the prayer team to pray about move uh, about wilderness and they started casting demons. I, I, it was so funny. I go in the back to go, you know, what's on my heart? And as I open the door, they all pretend to be really praying deeply, like, oh, I can't disturb right now. <laughs> and they burst out laughing, and Leslie's there, and I'm like, Leslie, of all people. <laughs> really funny. So, all Okay, who has wrestled with the scripture or the verse that says, I can do all things? Through Christ, who strengthens me? Who's wrestled with that? Anyone wrestled with that in the week? I can do all things, and then you find out you only have so many hours in the day and you can't do all things. Uh, How about um, ask me anything in my name? Anything. How many of you have wrestled with that? (laughs) Okay. How about through me, anything is possible? Anyone wrestled with, with those, those verses, anyone being challenged in their faith, with those verses. How many of you believe it but haven't seen it? Okay? Um, my hands up. Believe it? 100 percent. See it? You're <laughs> hard, right? <laughs> so I just want to open up the door to that today, and there's real powerful there's, there's a powerful word. There's a powerful way, which is Jesus' way. He is the way. And so all things are possible in him. You can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Um, ask Jesus anything and he will answer you. Th- those, are, those are facts. Th- those are Jesus' statements of facts. And we've got to find out where, that, where to unlock that freedom. Because it's a freedom that he is giving us. The world does not have freedom, but the believer has complete freedom. So how do we unlock that freedom? And I was thinking about that um, just going back to my high school days. And if any of you know me, when I, when I was about three, I wanted to be the dustbin lorry driver. Okay that's my biggest dream right there Daspen lorry Daspen lorry okay and that's like my biggest dream and and then down the road when I was a bit older I, could, I saw the trains and now I want to be the the train driver you know and 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 then finally in high school I had matured to become the airplane driver okay <laughs> My biggest dream in high school was was to fly airplanes and and so I would just I would just dream about flying and, and just dream about being a pilot. And I had this newspaper route that I used to do. And, and the last guy that I delivered to was on the sixth floor of a block of flats. Go up to his door, drop his newspaper off. And then I would stand on the balcony and admire the swallows at eye level. You know, and just the way they fly and just like, ah, oh, you know, one day. So I... I you know, thinking all things are possible, I email uh, the best flight school in the country, and I'm like, "The spirit of the Lord is with me," and I'm going to email these people because we don't have the means to pay for a bit. But my email is going to just touch his heart. It's going to bless his heart, and I'm just like, "How do I do this?" I just, you know, I'm, I'm really trusting for this. I'm, you know, I, may, I might even have said I'm really praying for this. <laughs> Email the head of this flight school at the age of 18. And I get this reply, four words. Try playing the Forex, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and I realize not all things are possible in that moment. Anyone been in that space where a dream is just like, whoop, straight away? Now some of you, I saw Christoph's like, wow, shame. <laughs> I, and I, I realized God had something else. And so in that moment, I went to God straight away. God, what do you want from from me? What is my purpose? And God pointed out in, in Matric that he wants me to be in the ministry. And so he gave me direction and he gave me purpose and meaning. Ministry isn't something I pursued because I can't do anything else. Trust me, that's the joke of pastors. People become pastors because they can't do anything else. No, that's not why I'm in the ministry. (laughs) I'm in the ministry because God had a call on my life. And I started to obey him every step of the way. And there's a sensitivity to moving in his presence. And so I went to university then. Because I'm not going to mention names, but his name rhymes with liftoff. You know, he, he encouraged me to <laughs> get into accounting and investment management. And <laughs> and it wasn't my calling. It wasn't my calling. And God rattled me in, in my fourth month at university and says, You're in the wrong place. I'm like, God, so what is the right place? And I'll never forget going back home that night and saying, so amazing, song one again. God, will you take my world apart? Such a powerful prayer in the moment. God, will you take my world apart? Because I realized I was building my world, my own world, my own place, my own space. And that's a scary prayer to pray. Anyone know that? Because within a week, God came and said, I want you to move here, do this, do that. And now I had to obey. I had to obey. So how many of you know if you pray, God, take my world apart and you mean it? And Jesus answers, yes. Yes. Because <laughs> ask me anything in my name, <laughs> and Jesus answers yes. Then there has to be an obedience to His word. And I've just been dwelling on something this week that has just been really stirring in my heart, and, and I realize it's just it's bringing so much clarity to what we ask and what we believe and what we pray. And it's the understanding of what it means to be entrusted with something from God as an inheritance. God comes and has given each one of us an inheritance. And one of the mistakes we make as people is we pray for an inheritance as if it's the fulfillment of our lives. But an inheritance is never the fulfillment of your life. An inheritance is always what he gives you to work with. To start the journey of obedience. So, so many people are praying for things out of the expectation that when they receive it, they will receive fulfillment, completeness, wholeness. But God is actually saying, I will give you an inheritance. And so if you can see this, we so often pray for a fulfillment and we don't receive it. Because God's saying, ask me anything in my name. In other words, ask for something to inherit. Ask for something that I can trust you with. You will receive it. So, God's saying today, I want to give you an inherit." How many of you have, have asked for an inheritance specifically so that you can use it in obedience? Can I just see a show of hands? How many of you have been praying for something for fulfillment? Show of hands. Okay, there's some hands going up slowly. How many of you don't pray at all? Just put your hands up. <laughs> OK, so practically, I want you to just think about this, practically. The next time you're praying or asking or desiring something, ask God if this is for if what. Ask God if you're praying from fulfillment. Or if you're praying from the position of receiving an inheritance. An inheritance is something you receive in the natural from your grandparents or your parents. But if you see that as the, as the fulfillment of your life, how many of you know life's going to stop there? Okay? So, so Abraham was told, leave your father's house. Why? Because he was living in his inheritance. But he had to take his inheritance and he had to move out and go live a life of obedience so that his inheritance could one day become an entire nation. So if you stay focused on, if, you, if you're receiving something, realize that you have to do something in obedience with it. And there is purpose in your life and there's purpose, there's purpose in our lives And there's purpose in our inheritance. But we've got to take that and do something with it. And we've got to commit to obeying with our inheritance. So it doesn't matter how big or small your inheritance is. What matters is, am I being obedient with the inheritance that I've got? And am I committing it to God's purpose for my life? So everyone has a specific purpose. I was speaking about that God called me to be in the ministry. Ministers need pilots to fly them around. Okay, <laughs> so, so I'm not meaning private jets or anything like that, or private or whatever. But, but I'm trying to say everyone has a specific purpose and a specific place that God has called them to. And the world doesn't like the word purpose. I found this out. The world does not actually like the word purpose. They don't, because they don't like obedience. Purpose always requires obedience. And obedience always turns an inheritance into fulfillment. Always. If you take what God has given you and you plant it, it grows and reaps a harvest. Now, understand this. Obedience doesn't always mean sacrifice. Planting seeds has always been preached in the form of sacrifice. Take what you have and sacrifice it. But God's saying, take what I've given you and invest it so that it can grow and increase your inheritance. Does that make sense? We don't want a bunch of people in church who no longer have an inheritance. We want believers to live with inheritance. We Anyone in the room working so that your salary can decrease? <laughs> Just stand up right now. You know, If, if you're working for a decrease, <laughs> you laugh, but we preach increase. And the church goes, mm. we preach decrease and everyone laughs. God has put in us the ability to increase that which he has given, which is why he shared the parable of the talents. The last one took his talent and, afraid of being obedient and afraid of losing what he had, he buried it. So his inheritance was never invested and did not grow. So when we take our inheritance and we're obedient, in most cases it's an investment. Sometimes God calls some people to sacrifice, and there's an obedience to sacrifice, but it's not everyone, and it's not all our things. There are specific times and places, like if you have children, it's a sacrifice initially, right? If you've got little children right now, you're going, right, 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 right. (laughs) There goes my time. How's that song? There goes my only investment. You know, it's like <laughs> that's a holy sacrifice. There is you're investing in someone else's inheritance. That's the purpose of sacrifice. Sacrifice is always to invest in someone else's inheritance. Our church today is built upon the foundations of the prophets and the apostles who sacrificed their life today so that we can live in freedom and worship in freedom and experience the nature of Christ in the body. But does the whole church need to sacrifice so that others can... Ex- no, not always. Okay, I'm going off track on a tangent. I want to come back to us as obedient people, us as bringing our inheritance into God's anointing and into his calling. Jesus said something interesting. He said, all authority has been given to me. Do you remember that? What does that mean? First we have to ask, what does it mean to have authority? Authority is not does not equal control. Authority does not equal control. Authority is fulfillment in your life. Authority is fulfillment in our lives. So what we do is we receive an inheritance. When I was 18, I received an opportunity. I received a calling. I had a talent. And those came together, and I could grow in obedience to the point where I am today in the ministry. Yeah, before you. It, this right now, speaking, is an authority that has been Gained through being obedient to Christ and the fullness thereof. Does that make sense? But authority does not mean I have control over the church and over the body. It means I am given the privilege to lead, to guide, to give advice, insight, to inspire. But it is, does that make sense? So authority is any place where you are given the opportunity to lead and to guide. In Daniel, and I repeat this often, it says those who, are right, those who are wise or who have authority will lead many to righteousness. So authority is a gift that is given. But it's a gift that is given to, to, to those that you receive authority from. So I don't have the right to speak over your lives. Does that make sense? If you didn't know me, I can't come into your house, open the gate, wake you up, and say, Now you listen to me. Does that make sense? In fact, I can't do that in the week either. You give me the permission to speak. By coming to church and listening, you give permission. It's like that in every area of authority, if you think about it. You are given permission to have authority in every area of your lives. By those who are under your leadership, under your under, under your and being guided by. You don't have the right to take hold of authority. That's called control and it's without trust. So God wants to take your inheritance and turn it into a place where you are giving and receiving. Okay. So, Here's what happens to Job. Job has all of his inheritance taken away from him. Your inheritance is whatever you have right now. Whatever is with you right now is your current inheritance. Nothing you have right now is your fulfillment. Because whatever you have right now, You have to return back to God and say, God, what do I do with this? Where do I go with this? Right now, that's why we bring our first 10%. It's why we bring our tithe. It's because what I have right now is God's. And he wants me to do something specific with it. Okay. So Job has everything removed. Why? Because the devil comes to God and he says, Listen, Job only... Is who he is because of all the things he has. Do you see the world's way of thinking? We are only as we are because of what we have, because of what we have achieved. And the, and the devil's going to God and saying, Look at what he's achieved. If we take that away, he's not going to worship you. That's the lie that has come into the world. That's the lie that many still believe. If only I can achieve that, then I'm something. Not if only I can use what I've been given. Does that make sense? So what the devil could never take away from Job was his heart of obedience. It was always the same. His engine was always running the same. You could take whatever input, and put it through his heart, there would always be an output. Nothing changed. So his input, what he had to input, was taken away from him. His family, his flock, his harvest, all of that is input taken away. How many of you have read Job thinking that his output was taken away from him? That what he had achieved in life was taken away from him. You see, depression enters the door when what you lose, when, when you think that what you have lost is your output, your, what you have achieved. No, if you lose anything, you're just losing the ability to put something into the system. <laughs> are you seeing it? Are you, are you seeing it? What Job lost was the ability to insert something into the way of obedience. God says, go. I can't because I don't have my harvest anymore. God says, be this way. I can't because my family is not with. Are you guys quiet? Because it's like... <laughs> I want you to see the difference. God started to stir this in my heart. What you have in hand right now today is an inheritance that you can commit in obedience. Doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter how young you are. What you have today is going to make a difference tomorrow if you commit it in obedience. That's why God says those who have much, more will be given, but to those who have little, even that will be taken away. Just letting it lie there. (laughs) It's a paradigm shift. Okay, if your brain is getting stuck right now, say, I am experiencing a paradigm shift. I'm experiencing a paradigm shift. Why? Because even if you have 1% of what you have today... Tomorrow, if, you have, if tomorrow you were to lose everything and you only have 1% of what you have today and you commit that in obedience, that will grow. And in Job's case, it grew to a hundredfold. God gave him back way more than what he had in the beginning. Anyone like this message right now? Come on, I can feel we're breaking some ground. And it's always hard to break ground. Jesus said, some seed fell on hard soil. And the birds came and ate it. Don't let the birds eat the word. Let it sink in. Plow the soil. Dig it. We've plowed it in worship. This is something to start just thinking about. Start processing, God. God, I want to have a heart of obedience. And I want to commit my inheritance to you. I want to commit it to you, so Job gets attacked by his friends, and they trying to find out what sin he has committed, what he 's done wrong, and he says, Come on guys i 'm feeling a little bit inferior right now <laughs> you guys are you guys are judging me i haven 't done any sin, and if I have." Well I would fully own up to that. In fact, God, come and examine my heart because I have a heart of obedience. In job just quickly, I think it's 23. So I want to go deep. <laughs> okay. Job 12, he tells his friends, Guys, look at the animals. Look at the birds. Speak to the earth and it will teach you. Or or don't you see that it's God's hand that is in our life? It's not our task to, or it's not the task of the ear to discriminate between words, just as the mouth distinguishes between food. But with the aged is wisdom and with length of days comes un- understanding. And only with God is perfect wisdom and counsel. And he alone has counsel and understanding. So only with God is the fullness of authority. And then God gives that authority to Jesus. So that authority was given to Jesus. All authority has been given. Okay. What authority was given to Jesus? Is it the authority to have control of the entire earth? Or is it the authority that is given when an inheritance is through obedience? Because Jesus died in obedience, and then he was given all authority. He gets given the authority to lead to God. And then he gave that to us. He says, we're the light of the world. But now what happens is, it says in verse 24... Of Job 12. It says he takes away understanding from the leaders of the people of the land and of the earth and causes them to, to wander in a wilderness where there is no path. And as he said that I realized there was a prophetic word because if inheritance is not committed to obedience then inheritance loses its value and people no longer know what to do with their inheritance or even with their wealth, if they've gathered wealth. They have no idea what to do with it. And he says the leaders start wandering around in a place where there is no path. They grope in the dark without light, and it makes them to stagger and wander like a drunken man. He's talking specifically about leaders. He's talking specifically about people who've had an inheritance, that has grown into a place of authority and position. And if that didn't go through obedience, then the place of authority becomes a place of staggering. One way, this way, this way, this way, without knowing what to do. And he says, they will become, he, he says, and they will wander in a wilderness where there is no path. Then then Jesus comes, or, or John the Baptist comes, and it says of John the Baptist, Behold a voice crying in the wilderness. Now throughout the prophets, throughout Isaiah, throughout Jeremiah, in Micah, there's this prophetic word that keeps coming out. And it's specifically against Babylon. It's specifically against the ways of the world. It's specifically against idolatry. It's specifically against believing other than Jesus is the way. It's specifically against them. And it says, there will be a jackal that cries in the desolate castles. Come on, I I hope you're seeing this. There is a jackal that cries in the desolate castles. Ooh, guys, I hope you're seeing it. You see, people build wealth, they've built position. They build a place of authority without being obedient to God. They build a castle. And God says, I will remove the heart and soul out of what they've built. And it will have no purpose. And it will become the place of the jackal. Anyone heard a jackal cry in the wilderness? Can I tell you what the wilderness is? (laughs) Exactly. A wilderness is an inheritance without purpose. Purpose is inheritance submitted in obedience. Now, there's something in our world that we like to talk about. We like to say, it is convenient. You know what convenience is? It's receiving an inheritance, looking down at those who live a life of fulfillment and trying to find the shortest route to fulfillment. That's what convenience is. Okay, so we... There's a door of obedience. You have your inheritance, and God says, I want you to take your inheritance, and I want you to obey me with it. Commit it for my holy purpose. And Jesus says there's a way that is narrow. And people go to that door, and they realize, I don't know if I want to commit this to obedience. And they look down the line at fulfillment, and they start asking, how can I find the shortest route there, if this line on the carpet there was the door, they're trying to figure out how to get through to fulfillment and position without going through the door of obedience. Because once you go through the door of obedience into this side, now you've got to ask God, am I investing what I've been given or am I sacrificing what I've been given? And guess what? You're going to come out the door of wisdom on this side far bigger than what you can even imagine when you're standing at the door of obedience. What you come out over there and what that looks like, you can't even see. Because fulfillment is always looking back. Does that make sense? When you live a life of fulfillment, you're going, wow, look what the Lord has done. But you can never stand in front of the door of obedience and hope to look like something. Because what you look like is always going to look different to what you even imagine it's going to look like. So people in convenience have built castles of fulfillment. And God takes the heart and soul out of it. Now we have empty castles. And we have jackals crying. And John comes as a prophetic picture. Come on, I hope you see this. There is a voice and he ate locusts. Do you know what jackals eat? 80% of their diet is locusts. (laughs) Do you know what covers their body is fur? Do you know what cries in the wilderness? Come on, American people don't understand the sound of the jackal at 6 p.m. in the evening there john comes and he is crying in the, and he becomes a picture of redemption through repentance he becomes that voice in the wilderness because the wilderness is purpose is is the wilderness is inheritance without god's purpose so john comes and he's like listen i am the voice of jesus christ and i am going to redeem inheritance if you repent, if you open the door to obedience. That's what repentance means. It says I am going to change my ways. I'm I'm going to stop trying to go this way, which is the shortest way. I am going to change my way and step into obedience so that I can walk out of the door of wisdom into fulfillment. Constant fulfillment. And yet, John comes, and he is the voice crying in the wilderness. Because what happens is, people go the short route, and the consequence of disobedience is always sin. So it's kind of like a super slide without an ending. (laughs) And you slide right past fulfillment, and you end up in the consequence, which is sin. And sin has no purpose. So hearts without purpose end up dying spiritual deaths and then end up even dying physically. That's the consequence of sin. And some sins, consequences can't be washed out. Does that make sense? Sometimes we live in the physical consequences of our sins. What did I say? We live in the consequence and John comes and he cries in the wilderness. He, he cries in the land of consequence. And he says, change your ways. And he calls, he's saying, there's, there's someone whose feet I'm not worthy of tying. And it's, it's Jesus. And, and Jesus comes and he draws us out of that place of, what I mean by, by it is, grace has been miscommunicated in the church, if I can say it that way. Because grace has been preached to people who don't want to be obedient. So they stand at the door of of obedience, and they hear the message of grace, and they decide, well, that's a message of convenience to fulfillment. Does that make sense? But that's not the purpose of grace. Grace is the voice of the wilderness, in the wilderness, that says, I am going to pull you out of this position. I'm going to pick you up by the back of your shirt if I need to. I'm going to carry you back to inheritance. I'm going to put you down at inheritance. And then I'm going to give you a kickstart. And by the way, there's the door of obedience. That is the message of grace. The message of grace is not, there's the quickest way to fullness. The message of grace is, I'm giving you a second chance. And by the way, I'm going to give you what you need to obey Him, to listen to Him. And you get given a second chance through grace. In this space of inheritance, we can receive everything we ask for. <laughs> Does that make sense? In this space of inheritance, we can ask for miracles. In this space of inheritance, we can ask for deliverance. In this space, we can ask for finances. In this space, because God's saying, open up the door. Open up the door of obedience. Step into the door of obedience. Commit your lives to me. Test me on this. (laughs) Will I not open more doors, windows of heaven for you? Isn't that powerful? John came crying in the wilderness, a message of repentance. Let's go to Matthew, the the last verse in Matthew, and the first verse in Mark. I'm just going to read it. Jesus approached them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go then and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe, teaching them to obey. See, we can't teach the gospel, and we can't make disciples unless we teach people to enter into the door of obedience. Baptism is the first movement. Baptism is the first dedication of my life. I, I go down, I say, I don't want to be in the wilderness anymore. I don't want to live without purpose. I don't want to live a life where my path is not marked out, where it's dark and where I'm groping and, fig- and bumping into things in the dark. I don't want to live that life anymore. I want to live a life of obedience. And baptism is the first step that takes us there. And then Jesus says, I love this, it just goes straight on in, in Mark And that, this is the verse of of the voice crying in the wilderness. It says, in the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, just as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, it says, I will send my messenger who will make ready your way. It's a way. Do you understand this is a way? (laughs) It's a way. And the voice of one crying in the wilderness saying, prepare the way of the Lord, not just not just Jesus' way that he walked on earth. Not just him present physically on earth for three years. But prepare in man's heart the way of the Lord. Because there is a way. And make his beaten track straight, level, and pass, and, and possible. And John the Baptist appeared preaching baptism, preaching repentance, changing of one's mind for the better. Heartily amending one's ways in order to obtain forgiveness and the release of sins, and they were kept. And they kept going out to him, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem were baptized by him in the Jordan. And when Jesus came, he was baptized. And in verse ten, as he came out of the water, um, and when verse ten it says, and when Jesus came up out of the water, at once John saw the heavens torn open. And the Holy Spirit entered in like a dove. And a voice came out said, You are my beloved Son. I am well pleased with you. And Jesus received the inheritance from his Father in that very moment. He was given an inheritance so that he was no longer inferior. But he was man and God and the Son. And it's the first time God called any man... Son. And from that day, we receive an inheritance because we are called sons and daughters of God. And we get to enter into the door of obedience. Is that awesome? Is that awesome? Okay. Next week, we're going to (laughs) baptize. We're going to baptize. But I I, I say that because I want to encourage you. If you want to be baptized into the way of obedience then come next week ready to be baptized as the first movement towards obedience. Even if maybe you've been obedient in, all of, in many of your ways and maybe not in some, maybe you want to surrender that which is yours to God. Come and be baptized. It doesn't matter if you've been baptized before. Come and be baptized. Also, bring someone to be baptized. But we're going to do that next week so that you get a whole week You know what that means? (laughs) Pause. Pause. Withdraw from your current activities and think about it. Is that good? Yes. Yes. Father, I thank you for your voice crying in the wilderness. I thank you for your presence. Your presence over the word today. We thank you for that. You're changing our hearts. You're changing our minds. And there is a paradigm shift in your presence. And so we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Have an amazing week. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages.